Hi, I'm David Massover. Welcome to the Driving B2B Sales Revenue Podcast, where I'll be interviewing senior sales leaders, sales experts, and sales service providers about what else, what it takes to drive B2B sales revenue. So thanks for being here. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Driving B2B Sales Revenue Podcast. My name is David Massover. I'll be your host today. And today, we have got a guest who I have been waiting to have on the podcast for a very long time, my good friend, Brian Sexton. Brian, welcome to the podcast. Mass, it's good that you had me on the the Driving B2B Sales Revenue. You make me put my sales hat on, man. I appreciate that, brother. Good to be with you. Oh, come on. It's like you ever take it off, Brian. Don't fool me. We now, talked about that before we started recording. And, and the only hat I have up right now is is my Marshall University Thundering Herd hat. Go herd. So well, I can tell you, I do not have one of those. I need to get you one, man, and 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 send it send it across the pond your way, man. It's hey. Seriously, man, it's really good to be with you. You and I have had some great conversations that weren't recorded, and I'm looking forward to having a great one that is recorded. Yep. Well, this is going to be good. Now, Brian, you are the host of the International Encourager podcast, and you are the author of the soon-to-be-released book, People Buy From People. You've had a 25-year career in sales. So we have a tradition here at the uh, Driving B2B Sales Revenue podcast. We always ask our guests right off the bat, what is the single best piece of sales advice that you ever received? That's easy. It's the title of the book that, that, I'm, that I'm releasing in December. David, I, I got started in sales in July of 1995. And I, I had, in college, at, where I went to school at Marshall in Huntington, West Virginia, I started out as a journalism major. I was going to either be a sports writer or a play-by-play guy. And so about halfway through, I didn't want to write for the school newspaper because I was working two jobs. And the school newspaper paid zero and those jobs paid real American dollars. So I decided to switch majors and go into marketing because my dad was in sales and uncles were in sales. And so I grew up around it. And so I get my first job. I'm I'm leaving school, get my first job. My dad pulls me aside a couple of days before I'm leaving to go to train with this company to, and onboard. And he, and he looks at me and he goes, son, never forget people buy from people. And so that was the single greatest piece of sales advice that I got because it came from a man that that I knew knew what he was talking about. And then later when I worked with my dad for 10 months before he died, suddenly it was, I saw it in action. You know, so every day for three months, David, my dad and I were, were riding together all over across nine states. And so as I was training with him and learning the customers, and things like that, I saw it in action. And so my dad's been gone almost eight years, and so it still resonates with me. People buy from people. And so I practiced it. I lived it. I still live it to this day. After 25 years in sales, I would imagine that you also got some bad advice. So I'm, I'm curious to know, after all this time, what's some of the worst sales advice you ever received? That sales training helps a salesperson. Let me go here. There are some sales trainings that I, that I got zero out of. Because again, it was, it, was, it was processes. If you do this, if you do this and you do this, then you'll get this. It didn't work for me because it wasn't tailored to what I needed as a salesperson to grow. It was an overview. It was like, let's feed the multitudes. Let's feed everybody rice and beans because everybody likes rice and beans, right, David? For me, it was like, I don't want rice and beans. 
give me something that, that applies to me. So sales training is not for everybody. But what is for everybody is intentional training that is designed for you to work on things that you need to work on. So, so here's an example. If you and I weight train, you and I weight train together, you may need to be stronger in your legs. I may not need to be as strong in my legs because I may have some natural strength in my legs. I may need to develop my shoulders and chest. But if we work out and the trainer says, okay, you both are going to do legs, you're going to get nothing. I'm going to get nothing out of the training and you're going to get everything out of the training because that's not where I need to work on. I need to work on here. So just like with personal training, how it's designed specifically for what you need, I think sales training at times, and that's the worst piece of sales advice that I got is sales training is, is ubiquitous for everybody. No, it's specific sales training to what you need to make you stronger and better as a salesperson. So sounds like you're an advocate of sales coaching, maybe mentorship, these kind of things. I, I think it's... Uh... Hundred yeah. percent right. I, I've always yeah. thought of sales as kind of an apprenticeship kind of a business. If you have somebody you can learn from, or if you take charge of it and and teach yourself based on what you need. But I'm curious, just as a follow up, do you think that there's a way for sales training to kind of fit into a complete breakfast? Is there a certain kind of training that goes out to a group that would be valuable, at least as part of a program? And what would that look like? Yeah, Dave. So for me, it would be connection. It, it would be learning how to connect with customers on a deeper level. Because here's the thing that a lot of people miss in sales. They will say, well, if you have this process correct and you have that process correct, then, then you're going to get, as I mentioned before, you get results. Nothing happens until you connect with somebody. Because companies every day are spending more and more money to connect with customers to get their message out, to, to let customers know, here's what we do, here's how we do it, and here's how we do it better than our competition. So I think that for me, if you're saying to me, put together a sales training for me, I'm going to start with, okay, I want to focus on some fundamental human connection things first. So one of the things I talk about in the book is people by consistency. I believe this, David, I believe this fundamentally. Customers across the globe, all believe in consistency and they crave consistency. Now, whether that's in delivery of product, delivery of service, or the delivery of the experience of buying that they receive, it should be consistent. So you and I had a conversation about this a little bit, and I want to bring the audience in on this conversation. You and I were talking about McDonald's where you are and McDonald's where I am. McDonald's has built a global iconic business on consistency. They didn't build it on quality. They built it on consistency because French fries in Barbersville, West Virginia taste the same as they do in Hong Kong or in London or in New York or in Starkville, Mississippi. And so again, McDonald's is not focused on quality. Now they, they've ramped up their quality, but what they've really built their business on, on a global scale is consistency. You describe yourself as a people-first leader. What does that mean? I believe it means that people have to come above process and product. So if I'm training somebody and I'm leading a sales team, and I, I led a sales team of about 15 fully commissioned salespeople, managed about $25 million in business. David, I'll share something with you. I was talking to the, the guy that was my right-hand man, my sales supervisor. 
he and I had worked together in 10 years. I left that company in 2009. I talked to him last year, checking up on him. He told me something that, that really got to me. He said, Brian, he said, I worked for a lot of leaders in that company. And he's not with the company anymore himself. He said, I worked for a lot of leaders in the company. He said, I don't think I ever worked for a guy that cared about his people like you did. That spoke volumes to me, David. I didn't do a lot of things well as a sales manager. I'll be the first to admit that. I made a mountain of mistakes. But the one thing that I didn't do, or the one thing that I didn't do that I'm most proud of is I didn't treat my people secondarily. I put my people first. I would take the phone calls at five, six o'clock at night. I would take the phone calls at six in the morning. I had a guy that, that blew me up every morning at 6.15. He would cause me to have unstable angina. He'd be like, yeah, I just got off the phone with your boss's boss. I'm thinking, oh my God, this is going to be a terrible day. But, but I still treated him as a, as a person first. Because again, if you're going to stand by the statement, people buy from people. And if you're going to live by that statement, you better act it out. So you've been in sales almost as long as I have. You look fantastic, by the way, but you know. And so do you, my brother. You, oh, of you course. Well, of course, you know, thank you. Your check's in the mail. But, you know, you've been in sales almost as long as I have. And you've seen a lot of things and you've tried a lot of things and you've worked in a lot of industries, worked with a lot of people. And you've kind of planted a, a personal branding stake in the ground around this idea of encouragement and intentional, yeah, intentional encouragement. encouragement. Yeah. Why is that important? Why did you choose that as your touchstone? Well, David, you and I connected on LinkedIn, and, and a lot of folks that are listening to us will connect to this podcast via LinkedIn. To me, LinkedIn is my go-to platform. I, I don't use a lot of Facebook. I don't use a lot of Twitter. I don't have an Instagram or a Snapchat. I think there's an age limit on Snapchat. I think you have to be under 22. My 20-year-old son will does Snapchat a lot. He's like, yeah, I just snapped a friend. I'm like, did you hit him with a towel or something? Because I think a snap, you know, You'd snap a guy with a towel, at, you know, or something in the, in a locker room, but oh, dad, yeah, oh, dad, yeah, <laughs> old, old, yeah, old fogey, yeah, old fogey. Um, David, I I looked around about a year ago. I looked around LinkedIn, and I saw a lot of expertise, but I didn't see a lot of encouragement. And so, what you know, I'd been people had been telling me for a couple of years, man, you ought to do a podcast because I've done a ton of live radio done PA announcing and things like that. And I thought, well, I could do one on sports. I could do one on sales. But I looked around and saw lots of expertise and very little encouragement. And so guys like yourself and Dale Dupree and Scott Lees, and, and I could go on and on Larry Levine, friends of mine, you guys are killing it with, with the sales expertise. And I thought, let me step back and support my friends. And let me just tell really cool stories of these people and let people see the real side to these people. Like I had Dale on and Dale talked about battling depression. I had Scott on and Scott talked about being in pain and just fighting minute by minute because of a, a condition that he had just pain gone through procedure after procedure, things like that. Larry talked about writing his book because he didn't have a great relationship with his dad. And so you know, you tell your story about growing up in, in the, the San Francisco area. And so, you know, again, it, it, was, it was my opportunity to tell really fascinating stories of really incredible people who happen to be friends of mine and at some point offer some encouragement around those stories. Because again, what I learned in 25 years, David, is that I could tell a customer, I could share a story with a customer 
about another customer. And I left the names out, things like that to protect the innocent. But I would tell the story and I would see the looks on people's faces. They're like, yeah, I'm going through the same thing. I was like, well, here's what they did and here's how they overcame. And, you know, I think this can help you. And so I really saw the power of the stories behind the people and it really lifted the, it lifted the other people. So that's why I said, man, I'm going to double down on intentional encouragement. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm shamelessly plugging the, the podcast today with my, my attire, but David, it's been, it's been a blast, man. And I've gotten to tell some really cool stories, man, of, of just incredible people. And so for me, it's just, it's been that outlet that I've, I've looked for for a number of years. Well, you know, sales can be tough, right? I mean, we talk about it sometimes a little bit, but you know, uh, I, I, as much as everybody likes to talk about, you know, follow my 10 steps or, or you know, use my template or whatever, it's like, yeah. you know what? It's hard work. It can be psychologically taxing. So mm-hmm. to have a little dose of encouragement, man, I don't think that's a bad thing. No, and here's the thing. Salespeople get kicked around enough as it is. Salespeople get beat up on price. Their competitors are constantly after their business. I, I mean, you really have to be a unique person to be really good at sales. You really have to have a lot of unique qualities to succeed at sales, none of which is you have to have amnesia. You kind of have to forget that you that your last call, you got punted because your you, your customer says, well, we're trying to save money around here. and and we we got a quote from your competitor and we're we're going to end this relationship that man you have poured blood sweat and tears into and really in a 2 minute conversation you got kicked to the curb through no fault of your own and so you know sales is is tough i, I love this quote from john wayne man i saw this quote in a restaurant one time john wayne said life is tough life is tougher if you're stupid <laughs> and, and so, yeah, and and so in sales, sometimes you almost kind of have to be a little stupid to get your toughness up. Because if you're not, and you think, well, if I, th- what we talked about, well, the, the manual says I have to do this. And then you sit in front of your customer and you're going, the features and benefits of this product, number one, you just learn that that's not the way people and you just learn that's not what people want to do. And I got a lot smarter about sales the more times I got kicked in the gut. Yeah, pain is a good teacher, right? It's a great teacher, man. It is a great teacher. Yeah, the more times I got kicked in the gut, the better at sales I got. So I, I don't know. That, I don't know. <laughs> There's that I would your intentional that. encouragement for the day. Get yeah, the I wouldn't suggest that as a strategy to anybody, but it's probably going to happen anyway. So you, you hear a lot of people talking about how sales is broken. Is that something you agree with? What about it's broken? Well, I don't know. I mean, it's just, you hear that a lot. Sales is broken. Salespeople don't know how to sell. Managers don't know how to manage. People don't know how to hire. Things that I receive from salespeople are crap. You hear a lot of that. I hang out on LinkedIn. You hang out on LinkedIn. It's a place yeah. where people express these opinions. You hear that yeah. a lot. Does that sound right to you? I think to some degree it is. And, and here's why, David, because you've got a lot of people that are selling desperate. You never sell desperate, man. You never, I don't care if your commission check is down 80%. You never sell, you never sell desperate. You follow sports, I follow sports. When a team is going badly, in baseball, for instance, I know you grew up a Giants fan. I grew up a Cincinnati Reds fan. I see this a lot in baseball. When a team goes into a slump, 
the manager just flips the lineup around and, and just, you know, I'm going to throw this guy in there because we need a spark and this and that and the other. The best thing that that manager can do is run the same lineup out there because at some point guys are going to start hitting. It's sales. Sales is cyclical and people don't understand that you go through good periods and you go through bad periods. If sales is a function of business and business is a function of economics, then economics is cyclical. So therefore business has to be cyclical and therefore sales has to be cyclical. But a lot of times people, why sales is broken is people are constantly trying to fix it. And so when you're constantly trying to fix something, what do you have to do to fix it? You have to tear it down, right? If you're going to fix your car, if you're going to fix the brakes on your car, you got to take the wheel off. You got to take the lug nuts out. You got to take the wheel off. You've got to tear that thing down to put new brakes on your car. And that's the problem, David, is we're, we're constantly trying to fix things in sales. That's how sales ends up getting broken. You're constantly trying to fix it. Let's accept the premise that sales is broken. And part of the problem is that it's broken because we're always trying to fix it. What should we be doing instead? Be consistent. Stay with what you are and who you are. And don't try to constantly be reinventing the wheel because at some point, at some point, what you do is going to stick to the market. I'm not hung up on, and I get solicited quite a bit. Those of us that have podcasts, yourself included, you'll get solicited and people will say to you, use my strategy and you'll grow your podcast by X number of of downloads and things like that. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just fine with how my podcast is growing. You're just fine with how your podcast is growing because here's the thing. It's not the short-term gain that we're looking for. It's the long play. It's the long-term incremental growth. When I grew really fast in my sales career and my territory grew really fast, it concerned me. Because as fast as it grows is as fast as it goes. You're a slow and steady wins the race kind of a guy. Exactly. Exactly. Because again, I've seen it ramp up and I've seen it just as quickly pull back. And so I want to be consistent. And I think that's the thing. If a salesperson learns, and I've said this on LinkedIn, when you learn consistency as a salesperson, you're going to start getting consistent results. There's a lot of pressure. Uh, from a lot of places to, you know, bigger, better, faster, more. So if your perspective is slow and steady wins the race and, and, and there's a lot of pressure in the opposite direction, where do you think all that's going? What, what, what's the positive future of sales given kind of where we're all starting today? Well, the positive future of sales is nothing happens until somebody sells something. So again, <laughs> if I am, and, and I'll share an example with you. I have never liked playing in in sandboxes that everybody else plays. When I sold food the second time around, I worked for a division of the second largest food service company for four and a half years, took a mature territory. Territory did about 2.3, about 2.2, 2.3 when I took it. Five years later, we were pushing 2.75 in a mature territory. And so you know, you just understand that you have to build, but it, but I had a guy say to me once, he said, excuse me, he called me, 
you're going to get a kick out of this, David. My my work got my work peers called me big sexy because at the time, and I'm six foot three, so I'm six three. At the time, I was about three hundred and thirty pounds. And uh, one of the guys came up to me after I took this mature territory, and he said, "Sexy, I'm going to give you a piece of advice. It's going to take you three years to figure." He said, "It just be patient. It's going to take you three years." And I was in a fully commissioned territory, David. And like three years, why do I got to wait three years to figure it out? The end of my third year, I was the salesperson of the year for the whole division because he was right. It all clicked. I knew the right products to sell to the right customers at the right profit margin. And I learned how to ask for money because at that time, we didn't get paid until the customer paid. So I started getting good at all the parts of the job that I needed to bring it all together. And so it taught me the value of consistency because I saw customers every week at the same time, same place. And man, if I was 10 minutes late, they were calling me going, you okay? Everything all right? You're, you're 10 minutes late. And I'll share a real funny story with you. I had a customer, I had a Holiday Inn. Now, Holiday Inns are, are fastly going by the wayside here in the States. But this Holiday Inn had a full service restaurant and they did a Sunday buffet after church. It man, it was it was a hopping place to go. But every Sunday morning at about nine o'clock before I went to church, I would have to call the kitchen manager and get her order. And then I would go in there twice a week. She'd always tell me on Sunday morning, she's like, I don't have time to talk. I got to put out a buffet. Time, now time to talk. And I told her, I said, I want to have my funeral at the Holiday Inn in Gallipoli. So you can tell me one more time, you don't have time to talk. But David, here's what I learned. Every Tuesday and Thursday when I saw her in person, she'd have a sheet of paper written down and she'd have my name at the top and all the things she wanted to order for me and my competitor's company name at the top. She wasn't buying from U.S. Food. She was buying from Brian because I was the company there. And so it learned, I had to learn to really be consistent and to stay consistent. Because if you're not consistent and you don't stay consistent, you give your competitors carte blanche to come after you with your inconsistencies. It's like that game that your brothers and, or your cousins played with you where they just grabbed your arm and they just start beating you with it. If I wasn't consistent, I would get beat by my competitors by my inconsistency. Because people buy from people and people like to know that the person they're buying from is consistent and trustworthy and reliable. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. You know, your your philosophy about sales is it's a combination of refreshing and old school. And, and and I think, you know, going back a couple of questions, how do you fix sales? I think an attitude like this is really going to go a long way. Now we're we're kind of at the end of our time here, but I want to ask you. Man, we can't go question. another two hours, man. Uh, we I'm just can, getting, but I'm I gotta. No, no, no. I gotta. I gotta. <laughs> I gotta hit the button, man. I gotta hit the button. Yeah. Are, I, my, yeah. My, my my listeners are all goldfish, so they only have a limited attention span. But, I got you. I got all you. All right. Well, one more question, which is okay. this: You gave us a lot of good stuff today, but if you could step into my shoes, what would you have asked yourself that I didn't? What would you? What would? What I? What? what what yeah, I you look at this. I, 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 this is no, the no, response no, just, that I get from this question. So, no, so, what would I have asked myself? Yeah, I would what, have asked what, my. I would have asked myself this. I would have said, "Tell me what you think the next five years of sales looks like in an age where social selling is becoming more popular. 
how does one continue to connect on a personal level virtually through social selling? Great. Give us your answer to that. I love it. It's a great question. And, and what I would say is this, it's exactly what you and I are doing today. The fundamentals of connection don't change. It's still looking that customer in the eye virtually. It's still calling. Notice I called you by your first name a bunch of different times. It's those same basic principles of connection. People love the sound of their own name. The old quote by Dale Carnegie, the sweetest sound to a person's ears, the sound of their own name. Zig Ziglar said, people love to buy, they hate to be sold. That's how social selling is going to evolve in the next five years. It's learning how to connect with your customer to where they feel like that they're right in the same room with you. They feel like they're having a direct conversation with you and it's being done virtually. And so if you can, if you can master connection, you're going to master social selling. And it's not going to be these cold pitches and these, these generic reach outs. It's going to be specific, targeted. Hey, I was thinking specifically, it's intentional. It's reaching out with intention, David. And it's going to be, I was thinking about your business in this way. And I think we can help you in this manner. Are you up for a conversation? If not, I totally understand. And making it easy. Customers, never forget this, folks. If I can say one more thing, never forget, be easy to do business with. People want easy. They want connection and they want ease of transaction. Brian Sexton, people buy from people. This has been a fantastic episode. Thank you so much for sharing your time and your experience and your insights with us. If people want to find you, get more of you, find more of your insights, find your podcast, where's the best place for people to go? David, then go to LinkedIn at Brian Sexton MBA. You can do a search there. You can find me there. Twitter at Brian Sexton, S-E-X-T-O-N 13, the number one three, so Brian Sexton 13, or Intentional E-N-C-1. That's also another Twitter handle. And Facebook, Brian Sexton. Type in the Intentional Encourager podcast and it should come up. The Intentional Encourager podcast. Type that into Apple, Google Play, Spotify. We're on all the, platform, all the podcast platforms. But man, this has been so much fun. I've been looking forward to this. And David, I appreciate your friendship and your time, brother. Thank you, man. Uh, it's been a pleasure. I'll put all, all of those 8 million places people can find you into the show notes. Except and, for uh, Snapchat and Instagram. Don't no find Snapchat. me there. I'm not there. <laughs> come on, come on, dad. You, you got to know your place. I know, man, uh, right? All right, man. Thanks again. This was great. And uh, Brian Sexton, we'll be looking forward to your book. Thanks, David. I appreciate it, man. You've been listening to the Driving B2B Sales Revenue Podcast with your host, me, David Massover. If you'd like to learn more about how I can help you and your sales organization accelerate growth, or if you'd like to be a guest on the show, reach out to me at davidmassover.com or find me on LinkedIn. Please rate and subscribe to the podcast to be the first to know about new episodes. And thanks for listening. Now, let's go drive some B2B sales revenue.